connecting, growing, and gaining opportunities together. Welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. I'm Michelle Bouchard, your host for today's show. Earlier this week, I sat down with John Sutherland of the Quinault Indian Nation and Jean Eckhart of Image Source and talked with them about their partnership and a few of the many projects they are working on together. This conversation showcases how beneficial it is for tribal nations to partner with solution providers who really understand their tribe, the structure of their tribal government, and to have a partner on board who genuinely cares about the well-being and the next seven generations of their Indian nation. One of the things I really enjoyed about this conversation was listening to how much these two really understand about one another and how that has so positively impacted the work they've been able to do together, which is helping the nation reach and maintain their technology goals. I hope you enjoy this story, which shares more about their organization and their work together. Today, we are talking to Jean Eckhart, the program manager from Image Source, and John Sutherland, the director of technology from the Quinault Indian Nation, which is located in the Pacific Northwest. And so, welcome to the podcast, you two. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Um, now, before we start into our conversation, I wanted to get a just a brief uh, overview from either both of you about uh, where you're at in you know in in Washington and a little bit of background on yourself and the um, company you work for, Jean, and then John on the um, on the Quinault um, Nation. So, John, if you want to start out. Yeah, I'll lead. Uh, thank you, Michelle. So, John Sutherland with the Quinault Indian Nation. Where we are located is out in the uh, Washington coastline, literally where the, the village of Tahola is where the blacktop ends on what's called Highway 109. Beautiful scenery up on the coast out here. Uh, actually, some of the beautiful, most beautiful scenery on the Washington, the, the whole coastline is up, kind of nestled up in our area. We support uh, infrastructure across basically 2,200 square miles of the county of Grace Harbor throughout different components of the reservation. To get to the northern line, it's quite a bit of a drive to go around, you know, the mountains and whatnot. So our, our headquarters is, is out of the uh, village of Tahola, which is uh, up on the coast from what we have in IT currently, we're staffed about 13 people, um, and we've, we're broken up into groups. We have IT operations, which consists of our help desk, roughly about four or five people there. And we have our uh, sysadmin team, where we have two system engineers, senior senior guys. And then we have our network operations group, which consists of a network architect, a senior network engineer, and we're bringing on a, a junior network engineer as well. Uh, that's kind of the, the overall layout. And then we have an IT operations supervisor uh, that reports up to me. That's the current layout. We are looking to hire. We've got a few more positions to fill. So kind of a variety, uh, our, our systems, cover a wide range. We have an array of wireless shots to provide service to some of the villages. Um, and that's been main connectivity for, for many, many years to get them some level of service. Um, we do have community broadband that we've deployed up to probably about 300 and some homes, 350 homes. And that consists of, uh, we do fix wireless to the home for that solution as it sits. Um, we are exploring getting broadband to the home. Uh, with uh, a, a fiber solution, that's kind of just an overall. Yeah, it's great. I've always wanted to come up into that to that area where you're located. It just seems so like remote and peaceful and just beautiful. The scenery, the pictures are 
fabulous. It just looks like an amazing area. So it really is. It truly is. And there's, there's a property that the nation owns it's out called Grenville way. And the point there is phenomenal. Like on a blue sky, calm day, the ocean is, is, is beautiful. It, it's almost got a turquoise uh, look in some spots. So pretty cool. Gorgeous. Cool. Thanks, John. And now Jean, let's go over to you and give us a rundown, I guess, uh, of maybe of Im- image source and what your role there is and uh, how you have, I guess, met up with John and started working with, 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 uh, with him and his team. Well, I'm a program manager with the professional services uh, division of the company. What ImageSource does, they manufacture um, a product a product line called iLinks. And iLinks is uh, a variety of different tools that are used to uh, you know, to help automate business processes and improve efficiency and things in, in all different types of areas. So we work with Uh, all different types of businesses, whether it's government, private sector, um, and we're also doing work uh, with tribal nations as well. So what we're doing with Quinault um, is uh, a couple of different things. We've been working with them for a while now, a couple of years. Um, We had originally put in a a system for them. They could start working with on their own and and building their own uh, applications and things. And then they asked us to get involved in a little bit deeper level. So we started uh, working with some of the different departments. Um, we have stuff going on right now with TANF, a couple of areas of TANF and uh, Tribal Gaming Authority. They're doing an electronic health records uh, conversion, uh, not to iLinks, but uh, from RPMS, the IHS electronic health record system to uh, a new system. So we're working with them, just helping out with project management and uh, subject matter expertise consultation. Um, And then we've done some stuff uh, also with the COVID response. And that's something that we worked uh, together pretty closely on. Um, John had given me a call and, um, you know, like I said, we'd been working together for years at that point. He had given me a call and said, hey, we got this situation. This was right when the the vaccines were coming out and uh, and the tests and stuff. And our our staff, our medical staff has got to be able to do these tests uh, and they've got to be able to track all of this information. Right now, they're you know they're scrambling. They're doing this on spreadsheets manually, and and all of this. And and we need to know you know what can you do for us to help us. And oh yeah, we got to do it in like four days. Uh, you remember that, John? Yeah, we needed that quick turnaround. It was pretty amazing what we got done in four days. Yeah. So um, what we did, Michelle, was um, on that on that COVID piece was we worked with uh, the COVID response administrator from the clinic and uh, her staff, uh, some of the the nurses that were involved in their logistics folks and and worked through, okay, what are you doing with your testing program? What does it look like? You know, is it multiple locations? You know, what's your, your protocol on how you want to do this? Um, they went through it with us and uh, said, okay, well, here's what we could do uh, to help you out with this. The, you know, the big thing was getting access um, to the members, to the tribal members. Um, Quinault has uh, approximately 4,000 tribal members and they're scattered. You know, they're on, there's folks that live on the reservation. There's folks that live off the reservation. You know, getting information out to everybody, regardless of where they were at, was really important. 
important. And so what we did was we worked with uh, the COVID team, figured out what information that they needed to be able to gather from the tribal members to be tested, uh, to schedule that, those types of things. And if there were any uh, unique considerations about their health that needed to be taken into consideration. And we created uh, an electronic form on their website that people could either go to the website and fill out and register for, for testing, or they could even do it from their phone if they didn't have a computer or a laptop. And that was pretty key to being able to, to make it accessible, um, which is an important thing. And then um, once people registered and they got that information, then the health staff in the background you know, they had a, a process workflow where, you know, would they had to report information to public health and uh, schedule things and all those types of things. So we created a workflow in the back end for them that they could take that form that the, the tribal member had filled out and, and do all those things that they needed to do. And then when they were finished, you know, we archived all that information off to them so that they had a good historical record. And they could go back and and, uh, do analysis on that if they needed to. And then we did the same thing with vaccines. And, you know, depending on the vaccine that you got, it was either one shot or two shots. Uh, Same kind of principle. It was really a question of having them be able to quickly and easily get information, make it accessible to the nation, and uh, be able to do all the, the requirements and things they needed on the back end to support the logistics. And it worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's really great. John, can you tell me a little bit about what type of um, health facility do you do you have offer for the tribal members? Is it a, a full service facility? And do you have more than one location or is it just the one location? Technically, can I have two locations? We have a smaller clinic up in the village of Queets where I think it's staffed one day a week right now. It's a smaller village up there, not as much population density, and it's a little more off the beaten path. And then in Tahola is the Roger Sox Healthcare Clinic. We are working on opening, I think, a behavioral health clinic down in the town of Aberdeen, which is south of where we're at. Okay. And do they all see um, members for a general health visit or is it? Uh, general health visits, things like that. We also have a dental clinic, a pharmacy up in Tahola. Okay. Now, when you were doing the, um, you know, like like all the, the testing in, in the forms, so did you have to figure out what, what facility they were going to go to to get the test? And, and you know, how did, how did that coordination piece take place? Or was it only one main facility that you were really working from? Well, they were actually, they were doing a combination of things. They had locations um, up in Tahola at the clinic, but they also did mobile mobile clinics. So they would go out to to different locations. They'd go down to Hoquim for a day, set up down there or to Queets or wherever it was. The thing that, that helped to enable them to be able to do that, I mean, obviously the the logistics of just taking, loading up all your uh, your kit and going down and setting up um, was that they were still able to track all this information as they were going through their phones if they needed to. If they needed to go back and look at something that was stored on the system or in terms of a, uh, a schedule or what have you, all that information was available. So they were they were going all over the place. That you know, clinic is obvious place, but they had mobile clinics. Yeah, I would I would just I would say we had a lot more mobile even to start, just due to keeping the distance and things like that. You pull up in your car, and then the, the nation did a fabulous job with how we did the the testing rounds. It, it, it was it was pretty impressive for 
uh, how, how everything was pulled together. Um, it got just to where you're doing a drive through in the car. And uh, that was pretty streamlined from when we first started. You'd pull up, get out of your car, one person at a time. And they they had a system that they developed uh, initially and it just moved from from that into just a drive through. It was pretty impressive. That's that's awesome. Now, was this available to community members as well or just to tribal members? Mainly uh, membership and then government employees and, and then enterprise employees for the nation. Right. Do you know off, off the top of your head how many people you you were you ended up testing? I'm not sure. I mean, we could go back in and, and uh, look at the system and know exactly how many it was. But I want to say on, on testing, as soon as we, we put the forms and things up on the website, within a matter of days, I want to say they had 500, 600 people that had registered right away. And then it just continued on. And as we as we went through the uh, the programs of testing and, and vaccinations and stuff, uh, we continued to make additional changes and things to the information that was being gathered for the COVID team. As they worked through it, they would need additional information and stuff. But uh, yeah, they got fantastic response. What was your um, communication to the mem- to the membership like? Was it through you know local media? Did you do did you was it an email system? How did you get the information of you know where you were going to be and who who it was available to? How did you get that out to everybody? Well, that's that's a piece that uh, the COVID administrator probably would have handled. Um, I'm guessing they might have sent out uh, some email blasts, but on the the front page, the home page of the website, uh, it was it was very clear there were links there that were um, obvious, you know, huge red. COVID symbols that you couldn't miss when you looked at it. Click here and uh, here's how you get registered for testing and vaccines and all of that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they might have done some email blasts. I don't know if they did any media campaigns or, or not. John, do you know? Yeah, it, it was a series of things, uh, posting in a community site on Facebook, email blasts to government employees through through email for everybody that, that works in the government or enterprise sector. And then I would imagine where there's probably some postings down at the community center or any of our gas stations and whatnot. And then, like Gene said, the, the, the big red big red button on the website. And as we did that, too, we automatically did an opt-in on email so that we could harvest that and then still communicate uh, with emails that we didn't have. Before you started working on this COVID project, you were working together I believe on on a broadband project with you know with with you're so rural and so many of your members rural. How much of an impact did that have on maybe people not being able to access some of these other services because they didn't you know they didn't have the the access for the emails or for the cell service things like that? Did you see any impact from that? There was a spike. So right up, right before the pandemic hit, we actually completed a, a main fiber run from the village of Tahola down to. A beat me point with our local PUD that that got us to um, uh, our other point of presence, and that had just been completed, but we hadn't lit that service up. So as the demand for everything shut down, people remote, kids are you know trying to get online to do school, it it put a an additional uh, strain on the network. We were only providing a, a five meg, five by three service because that's just all we could do from the, from the wireless standpoint. And then uh, slowly over 
I don't know, about two, three months during pandemic, we increased that. We got that circuit lit up and started, you know, distributing traffic over that. And uh, so we were able to increase broadband service enough. We're still considered underserved or unserved to some degree by FCC standards. But it was, uh, you know, a balancing act. And there's still some homes that, um, you know, the weakest link always suffers with wireless. So the homes that were on the outskirts or just didn't have very good connection to begin with, they probably suffered a little more. So that was, you know, we did our best just to resolve those as quickly as we could. But then we were up against issues with sending a technician into a home. And if someone had no climate on a house, um, so we developed some protocols, we got suits and, and things like that, but it, it was still a, a pretty big challenge to what do we actually do? How do we, you know, handle these situations? So, I mean, getting gear wasn't easy to do right off the get-go. There, was, there wasn't a lot of resources available to go get suits. Every, everything was bought out. And where we're at, cell is... We've got one cell tower in the village of Tahola, and that's U.S. Cellular, and it's a pretty slow service. You know, sometimes equated to dial-up speeds. Um, they claim 4G, but it's it's really not. I'm sure they put a lot of strain on that service uh, as well. But yeah, we saw a traffic increase by 400 meg. We went from an average of about 600 meg of traffic up to about a gig, and we were we were really maxing things out and got to the point where we had to switch some hard we're out on the community side to as well to help keep things flowing. Yeah, I, I bet that that would be a, a huge, a huge thing. 2019, John, we met at the TravelNet conference. And back then we were talking about your big broadband project. So it's, it's so interesting to like have read that before this and the things that you were going to do and how you only had, what, three or four team members then. Yeah, going back to 2018, when when I started uh, working with the nation, we had three or four FTEs, and we've we've hired in from there. And the nation's done a fabulous job with supporting technology initiatives and uh, getting behind. And you know, we're delivering results, and uh, they've made significant investment to in technology. So it's been it's mm-hmm. been great from that aspect, and we're staffing up. That's that's the other challenge with the area, though, is getting. You know, we want to get Quinault's in technology. We're finding more and more, which is awesome. We got an, another new YOP intern, but we're just so far out from like the city, like say Seattle. You know, we're we're ways away from there, and it's it's competitive. Right. So, how far are you from Seattle? Four and a half hours driving, probably with what traffic? One hundred and sixty miles. Did you guys use? digital membership services. Did you have any of those available before the COVID uh, testing and vaccination uh, scheduling? Not a lot of digital, nothing really for the clinic. Uh, There might've been a form you could fill out and print and bring in, but that was far and few and limited, I think. Um, This was really the first one that we published and did this kind of workflow and things uh, and put out on the website where we kind of have more of an integrated solution from uh, online to kicking off processes inside. And yeah, this was a, this was a big jump for us, especially in the heart of all the chaos, just with everything going on the pandemic and especially super spreader events. So you had Thanksgiving, which was, you know, you see a spike and then Christmas, there was even a lot more concern about a bigger spike bike right before and then it was when we I think we dug into these forms so that we could 
get things in place for after Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, it was, I believe it might have been the 1st of January because they were in the process of, I think, getting the the rapid approval from um, the FDA on, on the vaccines. And in the meantime, they were doing the, the getting the testing queued up. So, you know, with, with every project, there's always something that happens that you weren't expecting. So did anything like that happen dur- during this or did everything go smoothly as planned? As far as the COVID response? Yeah, the COVID response. Sorry. Um, no, actually, it all went really smooth. I mean, the, the team from the Roger Sox Health Center that we were working with, the COVID response team, uh, they were great. I mean, they were all over their, their game. They knew exactly what needed to be done. Um, you know, we worked with them uh, really closely on figuring out what their requirements were and, and the kind of things that they needed to do uh, from a process perspective once they got those registration requests and things like that. So, um, you know, we rolled it out and, and then as, you know, because it was a you know, kind of a paradigm shift like John's talking about, um, you know, we got it out right off the bat and there was, you know, really fantastic response. And then as we went uh, over the, the ensuing months after that, they, the COVID team would come back and say, um, hey, we, you know, we found out we need some additional information here or we want to get more qualifying information there, that kind of thing. And we could just work with them dynamically, figure out what changes they needed um, you know, to the forms or the information that was gathered or even to the back end workflow. Um, put that together, have them test it in their uh, testing site and then move to production really quickly. So, yeah, from our perspective, uh, I don't know about John uh, from yours, but from our perspective, it, it went great. It was really easy working with our folks. Yeah, I think so. And the folks that were up at the clinic, I mean, they were working long, long hours. And a lot of these changes that we're putting in, you know, production type changes, and we were doing more of this agile kind of method, uh, design build almost. And, and uh, so the team would get changes in overnight. You come in the next day kind of thing and you're off to the races and going. So everything was pretty rapid, you know, build, deploy, build, deploy. The clinic folks, like I said, they, they were they were long hours and the system was helping it to alleviate, you know, some of that. Um, now you're still using it right now, I'm assuming, the system for the vaccinations? Correct. We're still doing mass testing too. So for folks that aren't have not been vaccinated, um, we have a you know mandatory testing. So if you're an employee or whatnot, there's mandatory testing uh, still if you haven't been vaccinated. Now, since this was such a successful program with launching these you know online forms, are you looking to do this for other areas? You know, membership services or youth programs or any of the any of your other tribal um, programs. So um, I guess the, the short answer, Michelle, is, is yes, we've, we've already done some other stuff. Um, you know, they have uh, annual conferences with the, the council and stuff as well, where uh, this year was, again, weird because of the pandemic. Um, so they couldn't do it the way that they normally do it. Normally, they would have, you know, tents up and food and everybody you know, gathering together and because of all the distancing requirements and stuff, they had to shift how they were going to actually execute um, that those meetings. And so they needed information from who was coming. So we did the same, same kind of thing. Uh, we put forms out on their website that allowed people 
uh, to to register that they were actually coming, you know, for the uh, for the meetings, and if they had any special needs, if you know, if they were handicapped, needed handicap access, um, those kinds of things, they were making uh, the information available uh, through radio and things like that, all that type of stuff. Uh, but they needed to know because, you know, say 500 people are showing up and they're in their cars, you know, where are we going to park 500 cars? You know, they need to be able to plan for it. So um, <clears throat> we worked with the, the council secretary on that and um, got that stuff set up for them and those kinds of things. Uh, again, to just help plan with logistics. The other thing that we're doing um, right now is we're in the process of getting started on um, an ECM ecosystem uh, effort. And what that looks like is what we're doing really is we're looking at the nation as a whole from a, from a business perspective and all the different types of, of businesses that um, uh, are run and departments, whether it's finance or records or TANF, tarot, all, you know, fisheries, all, all the different departments. And what we do is we go around and we meet with all of those departments. We gather a little bit of information about their business processes and what kind of pain points they're having. Um, and things just like that is, well, we can't get information out quickly and easily to tribal members, or we can't get information from tribal members quickly and easily. Uh, or, you know, we're having to do this process or that process manually, those kinds of things. So we gather that information from all these departments, and then we come back and we do some analysis and we work with um, uh, some of the leadership folks at Quinault. And uh, we present findings and then we go through them together and identify, okay, what are the things that are that are have the greatest potential to benefit from leveraging technology? Um, and then how can we do that? And then in terms of priorities, um, where do we want to go first? Because I know general health and welfare is a, is a huge priority for the nation. That's the kind of thing that we do with, with that ecosystem uh, analysis is to figure out what's going on, what's, you know, where's the pain points and, and how can we use technology to help with that and, and get the most benefit the quickest, you know, both for, for the business, for the, for the nation, but also, you know, being able to extend services to the members uh, more efficiently and better quality. Gene, one thing that, that I'd like to add to that is one thing that was unique throughout getting to the ecosystem is uh, this thing that Image Source does. I think it's called a vision document. Gene, you might explain more, probably better than I can because it's what you guys do. But uh, it's fairly unique. In fact, it's very unique. And you, you could probably go into that, but it's, it's, it's a pretty cool piece of what they do. Well, what, what the thing is on that, Michelle, is, um, you know, our folks, our, our approach to the business, um, we're, we're not looking to hit and run anywhere. Um, we're looking for, for partnerships, you know, that are meaningful, that are providing uh, meaningful value for, for customers and in this case for the nation. So what we do uh, as part of that, we can't really figure anything out unless we do it together. So our folks um, up front uh, will often meet with the leadership of different organizations, whether it's a tribal nation or a you know private sector business or what have you, 
and have some initial conversations. It's not the in-depth stuff that we would do on the ecosystem engagement, but it's just talking about what's going on with your organization and, and you know, where are you wanting to go in the future and kind of painting that vision together. And then as, as that's done, that's an iterative process. And uh, what we found coming out of that uh, is that there were things that were discovered within organizations that maybe even some of the leadership hadn't even thought about, you know, because it kind of forces them, they go back and they meet with, you know, department managers and things like that, get feedback and then talk with our folks. And it, uh, it tends to help really develop a vision for where they want to go. And then an ecosystem <coughs> um, engagement is, uh, is usually something that's really helpful, uh, you know, coming out of that, that. That's something that's usually wanted to be done. You know, that's so important to have one, that relationship between, you know, the solution provider and the nation and just to be able to have that vision together and have that shared outlook of like, okay, in seven years, this is where we want to be. You know, you're always looking forward for those generations to be able to see that together and work together as a collective unit is only going to improve everything for both parties, really. Absolutely outstanding. That's that's been our experience. Uh, yeah, we're we're interested in, in long term relationships and uh, making differences for people. I've seen, especially since you know COVID, more people understanding and really getting you know getting to know the the importance of technology and everybody's place within an organization, whether you're the communications manager, the front desk clerk, um, you know, an enrollment, man, whatever your case is, especially with, with the onset of COVID. I mean, if, if it, technology plays a piece in a role ev- with ev- within everybody's job. And I think that the more people are seeing that and then leadership is seeing that and hopefully, you know, taking a bigger interest in, okay, we, we may, we might need to think about this. You know, our infrastructure here is as far as it comes to broadband communications, you know, all those pieces. So this is just a great story that I think, you know, I see a part of, of that in this story as well. Oh yeah. I don't know how, how, the country would have gotten through it without technology and how businesses would have been able to continue to run. I mean, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of businesses didn't make it, but the ones that did, you know, the technology was fundamental to their ability to do that. Yeah. Even, you know, when you're looking at schools and, you know, every, every sector, it seems like really depended on that technology. So I'm glad that, John, you had some of those broadband projects towards uh, completed before March 2020, especially for your students. Oh, absolutely. We would have never been able to. Um, I don't know what folks would have done. We probably would have had to somehow light up hotspots where you could drive your car and, and you know, to, to a certain place. And that's probably about the best we could have done at that point. And I know there's just joining the, the travel net board. There's folks out there that do have those hotspots already in place for certain areas. So that probably would have been about the best we could do. And so, yeah, we, we're very, very fortunate that that all just kind of laid into place and we were able to, because we had a lot of setbacks with that broadband project and it just kind of all fell into place, right timing. We're very fortunate. 
Yeah. So what's next? Like, what are you guys working on? I know you're still working with the, with the broadband project, but what other, um, what other things do you guys have planned for the next, you know, next year when we have this conversation, where are you guys going to be at? I can talk just a little bit about on the, uh, some other tech, some of the technology initiatives, and then you can probably talk about the, the development of the ecosystem. You know, for, for my team, we've got to move. The nation just built uh, a generations building, which is going to house uh, education, early education, and uh, community center. I think for the elders, IT is moving up into. We got a new wing up there. We're going to be able to grow our team a little bit, and that's very very exciting as well for us. It gives us you know a little more elevation. We're in the tsunami inundation zone, so it gives us about 150 feet elevation. So we're going to move most of our key infrastructure from another building up into there. We've got a new server room. So we've got projects that are wrapped around that and uh, just getting staff settled and the new office space uh, occupied. So we're excited to do that. Right now, we're, we're, we had to do a little bit of remodeling within the wing. We converted some storage to office space, opened a wall. So we're really tightly packed pre-pandemic. So the team's very excited about getting into space uh, where we can breathe, you know, a little more. So that's that's one big key project, and and we've got we've got a ton on the horizon. We're working a lot on uh, just furthering policy process development and maintaining all the systems that we have, and and completing. You know, hopefully we can get further on broadband. I'm I'm hoping in the year we can get make more headway and hopefully get a get a broadband to the home going, like fiber to actual to the home. So more to come on that. Yeah. So so you're you're not going to be bored. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, no, I'm not going to be bored. And, you know, that's the great thing about working out here is leadership, the business committee and executives have done a, a fabulous job with uh, investing in technology initiatives. And, you know, our job is to go deliver and, and follow through with that. We've done a, you know, a, a great job with that, too. We just got to keep moving the needle. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I love seeing tribes who build their early Head Start program with their elder center. I just, I love that connection. It's just the neatest thing. I know that has nothing to do with technology, but I just, I love that. It's, that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The early education was down in the tsunami inundation zone and the community center. And so all that is being moved uphill. So that's another great aspect of, of the generations building opening along with what you just talked about. It's exciting. Well, it's a beautiful facility too. Um, yeah, I was talking with one, with uh, Vic John the other day, uh, yesterday I think it was about it, and you know how things were going, and um, you know the status of completion. That it was, you know, some of the folks had moved in that was being occupied, but yeah, it's a beautiful building up there. So, Gene, did you have any other um, comments on the, you know, what's what's next? Question. Sure. sure. Um, you know, the the ecosystem, like I say, we have some things that we're doing right now that have been in process uh, for a while um, with the different like tribal gaming authority, TANF, um, the records office, um, you know, the health department, things like that. But that ecosystem is something that we'll be pursuing pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Um, because it's going to be the primary input to decision making for leadership in terms of 
you know, the, the areas that we want to go after first. Uh, I know one of the, the big areas of concern beyond general welfare is uh, with records folks, and we've talked with them. You know, there's t- obviously tons of current records, but the big concern is the historical records. You know, they've got some of those documents in their historical records archives, you know, are over 100, 120 years old, treaty stuff, all kinds of things. And, you know, some of it, the paper is just starting to dissolve. So um, it's really important to us to get that stuff digitized, secured, and protected. You know, we had a, a fire at the old administration building in 1967, and a lot of the records were lost. So those kinds of things are pretty critical to us. And, and I think those those are the kinds of things that will get bubbled up uh, as a course uh, in the course of the ecosystem engagement. So we can jump on the things that will have the most impact right away. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I love that you guys can do that with with those documents. It's so important for for future generations and, and for the tribal history and, and for so many for so many reasons. So that's great. That's really great. From our perspective, you know, working with the tribes are, are great. You know, we do all kinds of solutions for all kinds of businesses and stuff. But I know for me personally and a lot of folks with our organization, being able to do work that actually makes a, a meaningful difference and impact in people's lives is, is near and dear to our hearts. So that's something uh, that we're able to, to do that uh, in a lot of these areas with Quinault. And I think we're only going to be able to, to do more as we go. So that's that's a treat for us. That's great. And that's uh, it's, it's, it's a refreshing, I guess, to find a, a solution provider like yourselves to do that for, for a tribal nation. So, well, thank you to you both for sharing this, your stories with us. It was just great to catch up with, with you guys. And um, I can't wait to get this uh, story out to everybody so they can take a listen. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thank you, Michelle. Have a great day. All right. You too, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. A special thanks to Image Source and the Quinault Indian Nation for taking the time to share their story with us. You can find links to both organizations in our podcast notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow our show wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. Connect with all of us here by searching Tribal Hub on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or visit our webpage at tribalhub.com.